Everybody and welcome to the latest edition of the Ain't Easy Being Green podcast, broadcast to you live from beautiful, amazing, picturesque Crystal Lake Studios in Westchester County, New York. My name is Keith Farrell. I'm joined, as always, by the number one Jet then in the state of Texas, none other than my colleague and co-host, Michael Lagaris, everyone. What's good, people? You know we got the number one high school football coach in the nation here in the building, ready to break down the New York Jets. Cousin Sammy, what's going on? Jet Nation, what's up, everyone? Now, we are missing the Wookiee right now, guys. He is indisposed at the moment, handling some family business, the big Wookiee, okay? You know those Wookiees have large families. Sometimes you got to tend to them. That's what the Wookiee's up to right now. Um, Jet fans coming in this week after a, I'm not going to say it was a disaster weekend or a disaster game, but a disappointing game. To say the least, I think all of us thought we'd come away with a W. We felt confident. Mike didn't. I shouldn't say that. I'm words in Mike's mouth. Mike was correct. The rest of us thought we'd come away with a W. Not how it worked out this weekend. 27-12 to loss to the Cincinnati Bengals. Joe Burrow, three touchdowns, four field goals for the Jets. Couldn't get anything going on offense. Four turnovers for Joe Flacco. Can you blame them all on Joe Flacco's lack of awareness? You could if you want. Offensive line had a, had a, had a hand in that also, I think. Not protecting him that well, Mike. A lot to get through here in this game. Flacco had a 53 QB rating or something like that. He was a he was a disaster. And the interception, especially that first one, uh, Sammy, and the first half, that was, I mean, me and you, I looked at Sammy. I'm like, what What was that? Who was that ball to? There was no Jets around the ball. No so. one even close. And someone could have run a wrong route. Hey, I don't know. I don't have the tape in front of me. But um, I suffice it to say, Jets fall to one and two, unfortunately, guys. I really felt coming into this game, we had a chance to take a W, had some momentum going, able to move the ball on the road against Cleveland, put the ball in the end zone against Cleveland. We're not able to reproduce that here against the Bengals this weekend. Bengals needed a W. They played like they needed a W. But man, man, there were some big time mistakes here by the Jets, guys. Mental mistakes, which we spoke about week one which followed us into the Brown game week two. Four turnovers this week, as we know, but also some absolutely horrible penalties at the worst time. And it seems like it doesn't make a difference who the coach is for the Jets. It just follows us through. Doesn't make a difference when Gase was the coach, we would do these stupid things. Now we have Salah here for the past two years. That's what's been going on. Robert Salah, we love him. We love the enthusiasm. We love the all gas, no break. Guy seems sharp as a tack. Seems like he has it all on paper. You know, it's like when someone comes up with that job interview, they got the suit, they got the look. The resume's strong. You're like, this is the guy I want to hire. This makes you feel good. Not always the guys that get the job done, though. And he has not got the job done here so far with the New York Jets. A lot of people chirping now when it comes to him and his coaching abilities, Mike. Some more mistakes this weekend. Mike, and we get to that that chicken of the egg scenario where is it the coaching or is it just the players on the field Sammy you're a coach you know you can't control everything these guys do not everything is on the coach you're not in their head you're out on the field with them but we're gonna run through the game that Jonathan Franklin Myers roughing the passer penalty which was obviously a soft call to begin with but still I mean that basically turned the game around to me at least I know it was right at the end of the first quarter the game turned at that moment in a negative direction for the Jets and we never got back on track but, Mike, what are your thoughts on this weekend? Jets, Bengals, you thought we would lose, and you thought we would get handled pretty easily. Now, I know the score isn't great, Mike, but I thought they maybe played a little bit better. I Like, for instance, Mike, it's 27-12. to 12. It doesn't feel like a real blowout because they had so many chances, right? They moved the ball a little bit. It could have put the ball in the end zone. What are your thoughts on the game and this weekend, Mike? Um, I, again, I did think we would lose, but um, I thought that we would get a little bit more push from some of our different units. Look, let me just start with some of the positives that I saw. Sauce took on Chase. 
one-on-one. That touchdown that Chase caught was not Sauce's fault. There was some miscommunication there from the safety uh, play. So, you know, some people want to fault Sauce for that. I wouldn't, but I was very impressed with what I'm seeing out of the cornerbacks, both Sauce and DJ Reed. This was one of our poorest units last year, and it's turned into probably our greatest strength on defense. Um, so I really liked what I saw there. And I all, what I the second thing I loved about this game was what I was looking at at the running back position and how they were starting to utilize um, Hall as a receiver. And I think his snap counts are now going to exceed Michael Carter's. If you look at every game, he's been getting more and more touches and now becoming a weapon in the receiving game, which he wasn't really at Iowa. So I'm kind of excited to see where he's going to be there as well. Also, I'm not sure if you guys know, Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson, specifically Elijah Moore, leads the NFL in the most yards run while he's essentially open. Meaning he's wide open and no one was throwing him the ball. I think it's like 1,800 yards. I've heard this on a podcast. It's incredible. And so there's a lot of opportunity there for the weapons on this team. Uh, You know, offensively, we're at 16 yards per. We're 16th in the NFL uh, ranked uh, yards per pass play, which is pretty decent. We're middle of the road uh, from a pass pass perspective. Um, But. So those were some of the good things. And also, if I could mention Max Mitchell, Max Mitchell almost had a 70 PFF grade uh, pass block. You know, you see the guys like Evan Neal, you see Aquanu, who people were all upset that we didn't take as at a left tackle, obviously, with everything that's going on at the left tackle position. But if you look at Aquanu and how he's playing, Max Mitchell is actually outperforming him right now three games in. Okay, this is a fourth round pick. My goodness. Have we wound our franchise right tackle? So I'm really excited to see Max getting better and better. And really what it is is that his technique has translated over to the professional game. And that's really where a lot of these rookies fail. I'm sure you know about the Sammy coaching high school. Um, You could have all the talent in the world, but if your technique, your footwork, your hand placement is not something that translates over to the pro game, you're not going to be successful. And Max Mitchell is showing that. So I'm, I was. Those are some positives, um, but Keith, what the hell was JFM thinking? What the hell was Corey Davis thinking? What are these veterans doing? That's okay. That's coaching, in my opinion. Okay, it's players, but it's it's really coaching, and all of this miscommunication that's been going on. Like you said, it's the same crap. That we're dealing with over and over and yep. over again. And this could have been a winnable game for the New York Jets, okay? This was not a game that we were gonna be getting blown out, you know, or or or, or didn't or didn't have to be blown out. But you know what? The, the players were making stupid mistakes, making penalties, turning the ball over, and Robert Sala, I'm sorry, like I don't see any halftime adjustments. I don't see I, some of the things that he does bothers me. And I'll, in particular, um, Sammy, I wanted to ask you this question. Quinnen Williams playing time, and this is from Michael Nania, uh, Jet X. Quinnen Williams playing time versus other top uh, DTs. He's 40, uh, per, per, so he plays on 40% per game, 40% of the plays, which is a 63% ratio. Uh, Simmons is at 54. Uh, Buckner, 53 Josh Allen, 52, and Chandler Jones, 51. All of them, 81%, 78%, 78%, 74%. Quinnen's just playing 40 at 63%. Like, why? what's up with this whole rotation thing that they're doing on the defensive line? Why are our best players not playing? Because right now, guys, we are 27th in the National Football League with pressure. We have the most expensive defensive line, by the way. I don't know if you guys know that. In the league. What, you know, and so this is the type of stuff, like, I I, I question Sala, because I'm like, you're a defensive head coach. You have the most expensive de- defensive line. You have a very good young secondary. Let's leave the linebacking core and safeties out of it. Why the hell 
Are we 27th in pressure? And tell me, against the Bengals, who gave up all of those sacks to Burrow, we couldn't even touch him. Okay? You got to sometimes like look, you know, so remember we talked about, are you able to look outside the uh, look outside the box? Are you able to look at yourself and be like, you know what? This is what I'm used to with the whole site. It's just not working, Robert. What? So, Sammy, I'm just interested to hear, what do you think about this whole rotation thing? And do you think they should just play their best guys? Yeah, so uh, just quick, I kind of want to talk about the coaching part, and then I'll come back to the playing time stuff. So, like, clearly there's a fundamental problem coaching-wise, and the reason I say that is because for three weeks we've gotten three almost totally different football teams. Um, And that consistency is a huge issue, and that comes down to coaching. Uh, The guys need to be more prepared. They need to know what their reads and their alignments are, their spacing. They need to know where they're supposed to be on every play. And at this point, it's got to be second nature. Um, right. I see Mateus at the bottom, right? Non-disciplined team, sign of a bad head coach. Exactly. Right. So the buck stops with him. He should notice these things defensively and offensively and sort of make adjustments accordingly. But this team every week is different. And that shows me they're not prepared well by their coaching staff. They're, and I don't know where that disconnect is because I'm not in that locker room. With them. And I think as far as the playing time goes, you hope that it's not a cardio issue that Q like isn't in shape enough to play all of those snaps and all of those um, possessions, right? That's what you hope. It could potentially be that it's as simple as he's not in shape enough to play all the plays. And maybe he's not like sort of, you know, like (laughs) Donald, you see his workout videos. That guy works out like an absolute freak of nature. Um, I don't really see Q's workout videos. So I don't know what he's doing on his own time. But if you're an NFL team and you're going to win football games, your best players need to be out there a majority of the game, if not the entire game. You have to take them off like, and drag them off that field because you just know they need a player to and they play the whole court, right? Yeah. Um, and that's the only way you're really going to be successful because, Mike, kind of to your point a little bit, but I want to just take it a step further. With these guys in the NFL, everybody is fast and strong. And everybody is good at football. What makes you the best is your hand placement, your footwork, your alignment, your spacing, right? And the ability to do those things properly on every single play, every single time, no matter what you see in front of you. Um, And that boils down to coaching. And it just hasn't been very good because we're not very good. Yeah, you know what, too? I was thinking, Sammy, is that uh, when you have a guy like Hugh or you have a guy like Hugh and you have Lawson, you have all these other dudes and – you want to sub in dudes that are not as good because they're fresher. So you take a guy who's rated a 10 out of 10, but he's at 80%, and you put in a guy that's a 3 out of 10, but he's at 100%. I think what Mike is saying is Quentin is still probably better at 80% right. than half the guys we're throwing in. I'm not hating on Solomon Thomas or any of these other dudes, but if you're not getting any pressure doing it the way you're doing it, Coach Salah, which is subbing dudes in and keep trying to keep guys fresh, which I get, then you got to just be like, all right, well, what if I just roll with my, my top dogs? Just let, just let them rock. If they're tired, come out like Sammy said. And then to Mike's point, I mean, these other guys that are at the guy that the players that we try to talk about Quinn in that group of, that we want him to get into that group of those great D tackles, they're on the field most of the game. And you take your best defender and he's not. Now, we saw Quinn had a blow up with the coach on the sideline. That wasn't about playing time. That had to do with the specific play call. Because they had one safety right, back. Yep. Exactly, guys. And they had the one safety back. And you're talking about technique, Sammy. Whitehead's technique on that tackle. He's trying to make a highlight reel hick stick tackle like we all do in Madden. But if you're the only safety and no one's behind you, you can't do that. You have to know when you have the situational football for us. Jet fans know this. No Jet fans listening to this that does not know this. Situationally, we stink. You know, when you have to do something in a moment like that and you have to make a play. And you have to be smart and be be disciplined. We're not good at that this year or last year with Coach Salah here. And that play by Whitehead, guys, that missed tackle was horrific. Burrow had the cleanest pocket he has thrown in since week six of last year. It's been a while since Joe Burrow's been able to sit back and chill and throw the ball like that. Guys, now when the smoke clears at the end of the game, this is the most frustrating part. Why Mike said the game was a winnable game. Boy, I kind of intimated that also. At the end of the game, guys... The Bengals had 330 yards, which is not too crazy, right? Jets had 328. The Bengals had 12 drives. We had 12 drives. Um, The Bengals had five yards per play. The Jets were right behind that. The Bengals had 261 passing. 
Jets 252. The Jets ran for 76. They only ran for 69. So you look at the offensive stats and you're like, wow, if Joe Flacco just had any awareness as a human. Right, guys? And we're going to get into one thing Mike said in a second, but when it comes to just having awareness, your line is not holding it down yesterday, right? Um, And obviously Flacco just, I don't know I don't know what happened to him this weekend. Two interceptions that were bad. Three times the ball got stripped. One of our, our, our listeners mentioned before, two times we didn't get it back. All right, guys, but the offensive stats are there. Just the turnovers killed us. I mean, it just seemed like it's one of those games that's winnable. And when Mike brings up Eli Moore running free with all those yardage, like Mike said, Mike, I sent you the video and Sammy before of, and this was on Jet, Jets X Factor too. I think it might have been Michael Nania, but I might be wrong. Um, it was an article about how many yards Garrett Wilson should have had last week, how many yards he should have this year so far. I mean, this dude is just murdering people. The Jets have people out there, even Tyler Conklin, who had a good game this weekend. We've been kind of getting on his case because he can't hold on the ball. Played well this weekend. Conklin and Wilson and more. These guys are getting open. And Joe Flacco just doesn't see them half the time. Now, he's, and he had some good passes to them in the Cleveland game. Two bad games. One, uh, one good game for Joe Flacco, guys. But, I mean, this was a tough one. He also got sacked four times in the game. You know, Hendrickson, two giant strip sacks for them, for the Bengals. And... It just seemed like this game was so winnable. As you go through it, we're not going to recap the whole game. You know, Chief, started- can I actually talk about those fumbles quick? Like, yeah. I watched that Giant game Monday, and their coach decided, hey, we're getting a lot of pressure. Let's put a tight end or a running back and chip this guy. Just get an extra couple seconds to allow plays to open up downfield. We didn't. We haven't done that in, like, weeks. You know, like these are little coaching things that if you do those things, you buy an extra second or two. And then like Daniel Jones looks great. I know they lost that game, but that offense and the protection they gave him against a really good, probably the best in the NFL Cowboys front seven. Yeah. Right. Like the amount of time that Daniel had to throw the ball. We could do that. Any team could do that. All it takes is chipping somebody and you got an extra two seconds. Yeah. And this was another game here when it was interesting. Hall got 11 targets in the passing game. I don't know if that was necessarily planned or just a byproduct of checkdowns by uh, Joe Flacco there, but only eight carries for Hall in the run game. Eleven carries for more. Eleven carries for Carter. Excuse me. We threw the ball fifty-two times, and this is becoming kind of a trend here with the Jets. Now I know we were behind, guys, but even going towards the end of the game, there there was an opportunity to make it a one-possession game. You know, this reminded me kind of of that Cleveland game, the Brown, the Raven game, not so much, but. Um, it's kind of seemed like they're kind of sort of hanging around. We'll get into, we're going to go through the game in a sec, but in the second half, the, the Bengals scored one touchdown. And the only reason they had a touchdown is because we fumbled the ball at the 20 yard line and they had three plays there in the end zone. They didn't score again the whole half. And we just kept getting the ball back, either punting the ball, turning it over on downs, fumbling it or getting it intercepted by Joe Flacco. So there was chances here, man. Like, and it did seem, and Mike, we won't go through this whole, the whole entire game, but you know, they scored right away. The Bengals, right? They go right down the field. It seemed like Boyd was a big player for them. We go down the field, get a field goal. We're kind of going back and forth here. And it seemed like to me, and I mentioned this earlier, as you go through the quarters, you know, the game was seven to six. Bengals get the ball back. Three and out. Joe Burrow stopped. And the um, in my head, that ball goes up, gets batted down. I'm like, oh, here we go. We're about to get the ball back, get decent field position here. They were they were about the 20. Decent field position with the ball at home. We just went down the field twice. You know, instead, no, JFM, and our boy mentioned it a moment ago, oh, I saw it on the screen, they should always be playing inside. He's not bad outside, but maybe he does have the strength inside since we need it too, since it seems like we have issues all over the line. Who knows where to put the guy right now? But that penalty, guys, I mean, Mike Mike alluded to it a moment ago. Um, after that penalty, that, that just felt like a Jets moment and a Jet penalty right there for that to happen, guys. Um, it seemed like after that moment, we never got back on track, Mike. Obviously, they had to lead the entire game. We've only had the lead this season for 22 seconds of the yeah. whole season so far, guys. And but, Mike, that play, that moment right there, JFM gets the penalty, right? We're about to get the ball back. Instead, they keep the ball three plays later. They're in the end zone. That was the same drive. Three plays later, the ball goes to Boyd. The hit by White, and he goes down the field. What a turn of momentum right there, Mike, after that penalty and after that missed hit. Yeah, man. I mean, you see – uh our boy Kevin Jackson we cannot throw that many times and expect to win consistently we're built to run the the game plan has to change and honestly that tenant is exactly right because we have no identity on offense like you said first possession 
touchdown. Our defense has to stop. And guess what? Every time they've been scoring touchdowns, it's on third downs. Mm. We can't, the money down. They can't stop it. And we're playing behind all the time. So that's why Flacco's just slinging it here and there. And that's not who we are. We control the clock. We're supposed to run the ball. And our defense is supposed to be able to make stops and plays and get after the quarterback. But that's not happening because teams are essentially running the ball. And what we want to do is pin our ears back and go after the quarterback, uh, trying to make a play. But teams are usually running the ball because they're always up. So it's all about complementary football. It's all about consistency. And that's not happening with the New York Jets right now. So to your point, those couple of plays right there, third downs, no identity on offense, and then the stupid penalties, which really speaks to coaching, uh, in my opinion. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, after they scored there, we get the ball back, we punt, they get the ball back, get a field goal, we get the ball back, interception Joe Flacco. I mean, now, it's when we, I felt like we started going down the tubes at this moment. Everybody in the stadium got that, and Sam, you could vouch for this, that negative Jet fan, here we go again with this bullshit vibe. Right when Joe Flacco threw that pick. They go down, they get a field goal. It's 20 to 6 at this point, guys. And then the rest of the half was punt, 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 punt. Field goal for the Jets right before the half. So, even though the half stunk, even though we couldn't put the ball in the end zone, it's 20 to 9, Mike. Okay, we saw what happened last week versus the Browns. 20 to 9 is manageable. 20 to 9, when you look at how bad we played, makes you almost feel like, look, we stunk in the first half. We can't play that bad in the second half. Yeah. Not on offense, we can't. But we managed to do it. We managed to play even worse in the second half, though, didn't we? I mean, it seemed like, and when Mike's, and I, you said this a moment ago, Mike, when it comes to adjustments from Coach Salah and things, we came out and played a worse second half than the first half. No adjustments were made. No. They just kept doing the same thing to us. And they didn't have to do too much to Bengals, right? They had a couple drives where they ran some clock. They punted the ball once. They only scored once. A Joe Flacco, um, Joe Flacco, fumble i think it was the first drive of the half they get the ball to 20 they score and that's it the game's over after that you know we got another field goal don't get me wrong guys but after that first drive fumble turnover flacco they scored the game's over i mean the jets the jets offensive possessions in the second half turn the ball over on downs excuse me we fumbled it and lost it turn the ball over on downs kick a field goal fumble it again and lose it then nicely for joe flacco to wrap it up in a bow for us at the end of the game another interception mike so you look and you say to yourself damn like the Bengals scored that T in the second half. Didn't score any more points the whole half. Just had a whole bunch of chances here. Couldn't do anything with it. I think that's what Mike's trying to say, where we had chances here. Because they kept giving the ball back to us. Kept giving us opportunities. We didn't do anything with it. Joe Flacco couldn't do anything with it. I don't think any, something that didn't help him, Mike, was George Font going down. McDermott goes over to left tackle. Now, George Font was not having a good game on left tackle. We saw that. McDermott, though, once he came in, that oh was. I didn't get a chance to notice while I was at the game with Sammy. When I watched the game again today, oh, boy. It's like nobody's oh, there. Oh boy, that was. It's it's like as if he has no matter or mass. It's but like as if people just walk <laughs> through him. It's like wildness, a, and like I and I don't understand why he. You know, I heard solid today. I heard solid day. Oh yeah, we're not really worried about Zach. We're gonna get into Zach in a second, but we, yeah, you know, we have we got Max. Mm-hmm. He's playing real good, and we got we got McDermott, and he'll be. And I'm like thinking to myself, like, where, Dude. what universe are you talking about right now? But anyway, you know, um, well, I will say this. What's crazy is Mixon did nothing. 24 yards. Nothing. The yep. Jet defense right now is sixth in the NFL against the rush. I mean, uh, uh, the rush against rushing. We've been able to hold ru- runners. Even even Chubb, who you, you see Chubb is, I mean, complete savage beast mode. Beast. Even he, you know, was didn't really go off until the fourth quarter. So, you know... It was one-dimensional, and we couldn't get to the quarterback at all. Yeah. And that bothers me because Sala is a defensive head coach. Bro, bro, you need to like figure it out. And I'm so I'm, and we'll you know, and again, we'll get into more of this. But I'm really worried about Robert Sala and his effect, or like how he is getting the talent that he has on on the team to play at an elite level. And, and to grow, because I have not seen it throughout his entire tenure as a head coach. I'm not really that upset about the offense, which we'll get into, because I'm, I'm yeah. liking some of that. But defensively, man, this is this is unacceptable. 
Yeah, saying. have we seen a player that comes off the top of your head the last two years that seems to have flourished with Robert Salah's coaching? That came out of nowhere, and we're like, wow, man, this guy is so much better than I thought. And he he can lend it to Robert Salah's coaching or or the coaching staff at all. I don't really, off the top of my head right now as we're doing this, Mike, I don't know who that guy would be. You know, because I I know I can tell you one thing, and this, not to be, not to, you know, pile on here, Quinn and Williams' worst season was last year. Yeah. A couple players had the same. And they paid JFM, and I didn't know why they did that. And he's just been terrible since then, so... Yo, I mean, I thought JFM played pretty decent last year when he got the money. Not so much this year. I thought he he, he had uh, his stats to, were comparable to Quinnen's last year. I think he, I thought he played pretty decent last year. But Quinnen was a bit of a disappointment. So maybe comparing their stats isn't the best comparison. When you go through the final run, when you look at the stats at the end of the game, Mike, 270, 285 for Flacco, but you know he had the four turnovers, absolute disaster. Thirty nine yards for for Brees Hall, thirty nine yards for Carter as well. Conklin eight catches for eighty four yards. The first Jet tight end. To have eight catches and over 80 yards since 2008, guys. Talking a long time ago it's been since the Jet tight end was able to do that. Uh, Wilson, six for 60 on 10 targets. 11 targets for Brees Hall, only six catches. Also had a big drop, which I did not mention when we went through one of those drives at the beginning on third and nine. That first drive that we punted on, he had a drop that if, I don't know if you can tell on the replay, we could tell from our seats if he caught the ball, Mike, touchdown. Oh, touchdown. Touchdown, touchdown. right he, he away. had to break but one tackle. I, I thought he would have touchdown. Them. I fault both of them. Should he should have caught it? Should have caught it. But the ball really was placed the greatest. And Flacco. No, it wasn't the best pass. I'll give it to you there. Joe uh, Joe Burrow at the end of the day, guys. Two hundred and seventy-five yards, three touchdowns. And man, there was four or five times. And this happens in every game with the good quarterbacks, guys that are are so mildly elusive. Four or five times there where they almost had that dude, and he scrambles out and makes a huge play. And th- those plays were just killing us because I think we anticipated. Getting some sacks, getting four or five sacks on this guy. Uh, I said they weren't able to really generate much, not able to generate much of a pass rush either, guys. We saw during the game a blow up there, and we spoke about it for a second um, between Quinn and William and uh, White Cotton, our defensive line coach. We know that, you know, we got our defensive coach up in, the, up in the booth there. He's not down there with the team. So I think that's who he was taking it out on. It was a play call that he was mad about. You know, I'm, I'm happy to see the fire from Quinn, but it does, especially for the Jets, guys, for our team. When we're losing and things are going bad, if something like that happens on the sideline, people just call us a disaster. They're not being well run. They're not well coached. Look at this team fighting on the sideline. Where if it's a team who's winning, it's just a fiery team. Right. You know, they're just they're just in the middle of battle going at it. So you see those narratives get spun with the Jets. What was your take on that, Mike? I mean, they seem to handle it pretty well after the game. Um, Quinnen did elaborate a little bit on it. Didn't like the call. Wanted them to just rush the four guys. I get what Quinnen is saying with just rushing four, but they're not sacking anybody. So I get what the coach is saying also. They both kind of have an argument there. What was your takeaways from the blow up on the sideline there, Mike? Again, it's not a good look. Whatever you want to, however you want to spin it, it's not a good look seeing a big old Quinn yelling directly at his line coach. I mean, that was just not cool. I mean, the moment it happened, I saw it on Twitter. I saw it on Facebook. I saw it on CBS and ESPN, and they're showing blah, blah. And then after that, DJ Reed with his comments saying, you know, we got to have a chat with the coaches to talk about communication. What We're three games in, dude. Like, what is, like, what is yeah. going on over here, man? It's just is not a good look. It does not look like Robert Sala has his troops ready to play football. Okay, that's so, where I was headed, Michael. So, yep. So it's early. It's early, guys. We're going up against the Pittsburgh Steelers on Sunday. Okay, we do have one of the youngest teams in the NFL. The rookies are not the ones that are making these penalty bonehead. It plays. It is the veterans. Let's get it together, gentlemen, and let Robert Sala all of your cliches and all of your you know messages and all gas no break stuff. I told you when you made that comment about the receipts. The sharks are in the water. Yeah. And you are bleeding, brother. You're bleeding. They're coming for you. I told you they're not going to give you any slack. You mess up, they're going to be after you. They're after you this week. They're, this fan base is not messing around. We're tired. We're not patient. There's no such We're not. That's not what this fan base is. No. We need results. And we're going to get into that here in a second. Yeah, you ain't coming in. And uh, there's no fan bases in New York where you're coming in being smooth, having the catchphrases, and it lasts over a season of us having your back without results. doesn't make a difference who you are. does not make a difference who you are. And we're not seeing the results here with Salah, Mike. I do agree. Um, when, when it comes to some of the stuff going on this week, it's it's 
it seems like I don't know. I just want so much more from the team, and it seemed like, especially on defense, when you're making these mistakes and the the, the missed tackle from Whitehead, who's not played. I mean, we were hyping Whitehead up higher PFF rating than Jamal Adams, and he has not played well this year. That's a big big time whiff. And Joe Douglas, we're not going to do it on this episode. We're going to get into it maybe in a couple episodes from now, guys. If they continue this losing with the losing ways here. Man, it's going to be tough. Some of these signings he brought in, some of the, the the draft picks he's made the last few years. This year is still to be determined, but the two previous drafts, guys, I don't know, man. It's We're not going to get into a big picture thing right now, but if we get to the middle of this year and they're still kind of mired in a similar season to last year, there's going to be a lot of questions asked about leadership, Mike, about Salah and about Joe Douglas. We're not there yet, though. So let's not get nuts, guys. Okay, they could they could shock the world, beat Pittsburgh, and we're 2-2. Two and, two, and, and everyone's feeling great. And you know, I mean, I think, uh, I think a lot of that is going to be contingent on how Zach does, right? Like, I think oh, absolutely. Whole, I was everything, about, man. everything you guys just said, like, Zach comes back and re-energizes that entire football team now. So, yeah. like, I'm hoping that with Zach back, now you know consistently going forward where your quarterback play is going to be. And maybe that makes the guys play a little bit more consistently because that's ideally what you, what you would like to see. Um, and I think that offense, hopefully with him, is, is humming. But I think everything you're saying is true, and it's all contingent on what does Wilson do. Yeah, and that's what we're about to get to in a sec. And the one thing I just forgot to mention, Mike, and you, you nailed it when it comes to DJ Reed and his comments on the team and Salah and not being on the same page. Man, you don't want to hear that week three. You know, you just went through all of the preseason, practicing every single day, getting on the same page, right? You just went through all the preseason telling us, you know, we're going to have things more ironed out this year. You know, we have the best roster we've ever had, this, that, and everything. And by the third game, you have one of your vets, DJ Reed, which is a tremendous free agent signing, who's been balling out this whole season, kind of questioning the approach and kind of the organization. But <clears throat> I think, you know, if, if Save Flacco went out and just played great last week and took a W, then who knows if Zach Wilson starts this week? Maybe they give him one more week to chill, right? Not what happened. So it kind of almost seems like, I know they mentioned Zach might start, in Pittsburgh, even before last week's game, guys. I get it. I get that. Okay? But the might start, I think that was kind of them just hedging their bets. And now that Flacco stunk the joint up again, and we're one and two, kind of a perfect time to bring our boy back in, just like Sandy said, to bring Zach back into the fold. Has not played a down yet this season, okay, in the regular season. Only played, I think, a series and then maybe a couple of plays in the preseason even. And here we go on into Pittsburgh, guys. House of horrors for the New York Jets. But hey, this is a chance for Zach to kind of write his own history here as a Jet quarterback. All right, he hasn't had to go in there yet and battle his team. So um, I'm excited to talk about this game, the Steeler game. Uh, the Steelers 23-20 over the Bengals week one. 17-14 loss of the Pats week two. 29-14 loss to the Browns week three. And here comes Zach Wilson at you, Steelers. Another defense does have a lot of good players on paper. They're not necessarily playing that amazing right now, but one problem we're going to have with our boy, the crown jewel of the organization at this moment, guys, is keeping him protected and keeping him upright, considering the fact that George Font is on the IR. We're not going to see him until week eight, unfortunately. Dwayne Brown, who theoretically could come back this week because he was put on IR before the season starts. I haven't heard anything about him. I've heard nothing about Dwayne Brown. So we're assuming he's not playing, or else I would have never mentioned it. We know Makai beckoned out for the season. So our left tackle spot has been a bit of a cursed situation for us. And we need to keep this kid with a clean pocket from being able to do anything. That goes without saying for all quarterbacks. But it seemed like last year, those last five or six games, all Jet fans know it. All right, I'm going to beat the dead horse again. Last five or six games, Zach's played pretty decent. It's when he had his best protection. Okay, guys. Nigel Lawrence will be in Pittsburgh. Please represent down there in Pittsburgh. I'm not going out there myself, guys. I'm dropping wifey off at the airport Saturday night. She's going to Vegas for work. I might just drive out to Pittsburgh. That could happen, Mike. You might, I, might have, I might be giving you reports on site. Jar Brower, what's up, bro? Thank you for tuning in. Um, but guys, Steeler game. Let's get into it. All right, I don't even know what you guys think about this. The Steelers are, are um, playing not amazing. Mitch Trubisky is not playing great either. I mean, we thought maybe he'd be yanked by now. It's only 589 yards passing for Trubisky over three games so far, fellas which is not tremendous at all. 77 quarterback rating for Trubisky too. So Mike, we come into this game feeling a little wounded. Okay. They've played three games this year and you could make an argument if you want. They've been outplayed in all three. They were able to came with a, come away with a win week two um, so on offense, probably a little better than we thought. I know Michael though, 
Vegas lines, some experts basically are saying the Jets are worse off. Even though Joe Flacco is not great. Mike, you've heard rumblings. You've seen the data. You've seen some experts say the Jets are worse off with Zach in there this week than they would be if Joe Flacco was in there. Is that not right, Mike? So, you know, I I, I try to um, not be someone who hypes up things, but uh, I'm I'm, I'm going to be <laughs> – I, I try not to be like, oh, but I'm being real. This game is so big for so many reasons. Um, one, the coaching staff has nowhere else to turn. Um, the franchise right now is, you know, looked at as they normally are, you know, the narratives. And Zach Wilson, his – the way analysts look at him and talk about him, you know, you listen to any fantasy football podcast, uh, Mike Clay, any of them, you to the footballers, they do not like Zach Wilson and how Zach Wilson will translate to other uh, talents on the New York Jets like Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson. They think their values will go down because they don't see the passing value uh, Matthew Berry, constant, constant hate. Um, I think 33rd quarterback is some sort of, you know, po- uh, analyst uh, out there, and they've got him ranked the 32nd quarterback in the league. Um, there is no love out there for one Zach Wilson, and he is going to be front and center uh, on Sunday. I understand the left tackle is a, is a problem. Understood. But you know what? Um, it's now put-up time. Uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence was the AFC Player of the Week this last week. He, he He's out there slinging it, you know. And um, I'm not saying that Zach Wilson has to be that right now. But he has to look better to me than he did last year, this Sunday. That is how everyone is looking. Because... You've had an entire year of playing big boy football. You have had time to soak in uh, all of the uh, learnings and getting acquainted with the new talent. You have offensive weapons out there. And the coaching staff is now going to look to you to save them, essentially, because we really have nowhere else to turn. And it's your time. It's your time to get out there and show them why you're the number two pick in the NFL draft. And so, again, guys, am I expecting Zach to be a superhero? Am I expecting him to be the best player in the NFL? No, but when I'm watching this game, Keith and Sammy, I want to be texting you guys like, yo, Zach looks he looks good. Like, that's what, I, that's what I want to say to you. And I want to feel confident that I'm watching an NFL quarterback operate an NFL offense. I would love to win uh, this Sunday, but I'm not really looking for that. I just want to be able to turn on the television and see a quarterback operate an offense and not go three and out every other play or every two players. I want to see field goals and touchdowns uh, for every quarter. Okay. And I want him to spread the ball around. I, I want to see Conklin and Elijah Moore and the and the running backs and 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 the whole offense really just moving and grooving to to his talent. And I think, and I've already said this to to people like they want to hate on Zach Wilson. I understand that narrative, but Zach is one of the most talented throwers of the football in the National Football League. He's better than most all the quarterbacks that you see out there. There's probably maybe three. I would say maybe Allen, Mahomes, and maybe Herbert. I may be forgetting one that can sling it like this kid. There's not many guys. And this is not me being a homer. This is facts. Zach Wilson has skills. It's all up here. It's the processing. It's being able to make decisions. It's being able to understand how to play quarterback, which is the issue, which we all knew was going to be a problem because he came from a small school, right? So he did struggle last season. But he, I really hope all that work and, and, and everything that J.D. has seen in him, because if J.D. gets Zach wrong, then I don't think he really has a future neither with the coaching staff. So, Mike, can yeah. I Mike, can I just tell you why all those people that said those things about Zach are just 
wrong about something because they forgot something fundamental that we've talked about for three weeks now on this podcast. It's going to be really easy for him to see the field because he's got two receivers that are pretty much open on every play. Like I've physically in person with Keith watched Garrett Wilson be open almost every single time he runs around. Uh-huh. I don't think I've ever seen the guy covered, and it's not like he's not playing good defensive players. We played some pretty decent. I mean, Denzel Ward's great, and then Baltimore has some guys over there, right? Like it's not like he's not playing anybody, and it's the NFL. Um, it's going to be really easy for Zach because those guys are open all the time. Brees Hall is a good running back, and so is Michael Carter. So, like, though, that's going to take a load off him running the football, but his receiver exactly. can be open. So, when he looks at the field, when he sees a green or white jersey and the other guy trailing him, it's an easy throw, right? So, um, I, I think that we're, people are forgetting that part of it, that we have guys who get open, who run good routes, and from what I've seen on videos of them in camp together, they have a great rapport, him, Wilson, and more. So I, I don't understand where that even comes from because if you actually watch the game, watch Wilson when he was in at camp and preseason with those guys, he looked great with them. And he was throwing yeah. really good footballs and he was being decisive and getting the ball out fast in the pocket. So I just think it might take him a little bit of time, like you said, to understand a lot of defenses and stuff like that, sure. But having guys like that that get open is going to help him a bunch. Yeah, you know what? I like what Hater said too, man, that the season starts this Sunday because now we got Zach back. So now we kind of got the guy who the franchise is crafted around, like Mike said, who's going to be pulling us hopefully in the direction of success for the next decade out there slinging. And to the haters, to the Zach haters, to the Matthew Berries and all these other clowns that want to talk about, you know, how he's not going to be able to give fantasy success to an Eli Moore. Can I just throw something at you guys? Last year... Um, I don't remember the Jets having a lot of good receivers on the team besides Elijah Moore, right, guys? Elijah Moore was a rookie. Remember, he didn't start out that well. And Denzel Mims could barely crack the roster. Barrios played good at the end of the season. We had no receivers last year, okay? There was no counterpart on the other side of the field for Eli Moore. And you know what he managed to do still with Zach Wilson at quarterback? Guys, five touchdowns his last five games. He played pretty well. He played pretty well, okay, guys? He had... Uh, a catches 141 yards on the Dolphins and a touchdown. Ask them, Matthew Bear, if he played pretty well with Zach Wilson when he was doing them up that day. You know what I'm saying, guys? Yeah. So, I mean, there's plenty of games. You look at the end of the season, the game versus Philly, he had a touchdown, 77 yards, two touchdowns on the Colts. Uh, we lost the game. I understand that. But when we're talking about can Zach Wilson support these good receivers, last year he did it with more, and there was no one else. Eli Moore is getting bracketed last year as a rookie, still putting numbers up. He had no Garrett Wilson. He had no Conklin. He had no Corey Davis. Corey Davis was hurt. Remember, guys? The offensive line was in shambles. Still managed to do it. Now this year, coming into this game, Steelers have the 28th ranked defense against the Rush. Okay? Their offense is yeah. next to last in the NFL. This is not a good team. This is not, this is not the old Steelers. This is not 10 years ago with the horrors of Mark Sanchez and all those other times we go in there with Big Ben and something horrible happens, guys. This team is not that good, okay? And the score might be closer to what I saw JR say before, 24 to 14. We'll get into the prediction in a second. But I just see people writing the Jets off here this week in this game. Mike, in our in our pick'em, your pick'em league, you got yeah. me in. Mike, you see the percentage of people picking the Steelers? Pretty heavy, Mike. Pretty, I see it. Pretty disrespectful for the it. squad, I think. And, and I the Steelers are not some great team. I mean... They have some players on defense, don't get me wrong. I know Highsmith has four sacks. Um, Minka Fitzpatrick, guys, concussion. Might not play in this game. Okay, I'm not, I'm not rooting for injuries, like I always say. Might not play in the game. Miles Jack, plenty of sacks. Cam Hayward, not playing that great this year. Okay, their names they have. You go on Madden, they got all these guys right in the 90s. All those guys are playing like garbage right now in the Steelers. Okay, so I don't know, man. I, I felt more confident after I did some research on this game than I did... Before I did the research, when I was like, man, we're going to get smashed in Pittsburgh. That's what I felt like this morning. I'm like, man, this is, we got Zach coming in. It always feels like there's this bad tornado around us when we go into that stadium, guys. But then I crunched the numbers. Harris, Najee Harris, Mike, he's averaging oh, three points a yards a carry. Mike, he is 78th in the league when it comes to Trash. yards to carry. Trash, he has 128 yards. He got 40 carries already. Mm-hmm. I mean, all their receivers, they got good receivers, but Trubisky can't get the ball to them. So, guys... I know it's not the time that you want to go out on a limb and pick the Jets to dominate or anything crazy like that, but they could hang with this team 
this version of the Steelers, okay, which maybe hasn't hit their stride yet. I know Pickens is probably their future guys. Um, but, I mean, this defense is not the greatest defense. This offense is not doing anything at all. They can't run the ball. They can't throw the ball. Trubisky is, is very limited in what he can do. He can't put the ball down the field, guys. So, I don't know, man. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Pittsburgh this weekend. Haven't talked to the boys yet. We'll go to Sammy first, see what he thinks. New York Jets against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Three and a half point favorites, the Steelers this weekend. So to Vegas, that's pretty even right there. You know, they always get the three points for the home team, Sammy. Vegas has the game pretty even. What do you think is going to happen this weekend? Um, I think Zach plays really well with these two young receivers. I think we established the run game, and I say we run it 25 times, and I think we come out of the W. If we run it 25 times, we'll win that football game. I mean, that seems to be the way to beat this team. And it seems like when we've gone to the run this year, even with a depleted line, we've been pretty decent at it. <clears throat> Just the games have got away from us. Or even sometimes it seems like, and I'm going to ask you this, Sammy, real quick, before I throw to Mike's prediction. Yeah. When you're down 20 to nine, that's not really, that's not insurmountable at the half, you know? I, I, I was 20 to six at the half, but when you're down, or no, it was 29 at the half. 29, yeah. yeah. When you're down and you're within with two scores, basically, is that a time for you to go, oh man, we got to throw the ball a ton right now? Like, why does it seem like, even when we're not down by that much, the game scripts go so much in that direction? Is that just coaching, just strictly the favor of the coach there on the on the offense? Or what do you think it is, Sam? I think a lot of times it's easy to lose focus when you're in a game and sort of default to your pass game because you just like are like, hey, guys are getting open and I'm seeing things, so I'm going to just do this play because I think it'll work instead of just someone reeling you in and kind of be like, the run game's working, let's just go back to that. Sure. Because you can go heavy package even when you go down font. You just add a tight end, right? And you just go a heavy set on that side if you want to run to that side of the field. So I think we constantly get away from the run super early and we don't establish it enough. So by the time we move away, it's already too late because yeah. we haven't controlled the clock. That whole that first quarter of running the football is super important. And yeah. we never do it well. Yeah. And it seems like with Carter and Hall, man, we got two good ones here. This weekend, it seemed like they made the most of their runs on themselves. The run blocking was not great, but they, they did manage to do something when it comes to the legs themselves. Mike, we talked talk a little bit about it this morning. What are your feelings now? You crunched all the data. You heard all the numbers. You know all the guys Pittsburgh has. How do you think the game's going to turn out? I think the Jets are going to come out aggressive. I think their backs are against the wall. I think they have a lot to prove. I think LaFleur is going to come out. And we're going to sling it. I think that if we get the ball first, they're going to go on offense. I think that's going to put the Steelers back on their heels. And then after we score, we're then going to just control the clock and hit them with the run. They're not good against the run. And I think we'll spread it across with Carter and Hall. Uh, I think defensively, we match up really well against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Trubisky is not a good quarterback. I saw Sauce up against probably one of the best receivers in the league last week hold his own. He'll be able to take his matchups really well against the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, with Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool. I think we'll win the day uh, in the secondary. Uh, they'll probably try to hit Friermuth and others uh, in the slot and in the middle. Um, that's where we're at our weakest from a linebacker and safety perspective. But I also think that the defensive line is out to prove a point uh, and, and get after Mitchell Trubisky. So I see um, hopefully that defensive line really try to step up. And uh, I see a convincing win from the New York Jets this week. I think we're going to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers because we match up well. And I think Zach Wilson's going to go after him. He may throw an interception uh, in the beginning. We know he gets jittery. So it's important to really start him off well. But I believe in this team. I like what uh, uh, I'm not really – I still need, still need to see more out of Salah and his ability to coach this team. Yeah. But, um, look, J.D. made the decision to draft Zach Wilson. He's been working hard all, all offseason. And, you know, there just comes a time when you got to step up and do what you got to do. And I think that's that time. So I got the Jets winning and winning convincingly. I love it, Mike. I love the – I love the – confidence by my two compadres here on the on the show and normally i'm pretty confident as well um there's just so many so many bad experiences guys in pittsburgh that are just still so fresh they're just still fresh in your head and thinking about zach coming back with this offensive line which is just going to be man these tackles max mitchell god bless you 
God bless you, Max Mitchell. You played well at right tackle, okay? Uh, but, man, on the whole, the line has not been doing a good job of holding up for the quarterback. I'm a little bit worried about that because they do have a lot of names on defense. That now They don't have T.J. Watt, which is great, but this is one of the best teams I get getting at the quarterback with T.J. Watt. Not as good without him. They're 0-6 when he doesn't play. So they haven't won a game without him in their whole entire career. In his, in his whole entire career, I should say, Mike. Um, I think it's going to be a close one. I don't know if the Jets are going to pull this one out, guys. It's hard for me to predict the W. I see maybe 2017 L, 24-20 L or something like that. But it all comes down to what Mike said a moment ago. It's that first quarter with Zach. Because Zach comes in. He just needs to chill out sometimes. We know he throws a lot of these picks right at the beginning. He front loads those picks, guys. Yeah, the ball sells him at the beginning. You know, even in the preseason game, he came and he threw an interception right away. Now he had a couple good passes after that before he hurt his knee. But man, we all look at we're messing each other like, is this guy serious? Like you can't you can't come in and throw an int right away on a sack. You can't do it to the Jet fan base that's so traumatized when it comes to quarterbacks like we have been. Uh, but guys, I think they're gonna play good. I think they're gonna play well. I don't think it's gonna be a blowout by any means. I think the Steelers can be beaten. Would I be surprised if the Jets won? Mildly surprised, just because it's a road game and the teams are pretty evenly matched. I think the Steelers also have something to prove. I know Trubisky definitely does, and he doesn't want to lose that job, Mike. Mike probably sees this Jet team and this Jet defense and thinks to himself, oh, look what Joe Burrow just did. Look what Lamar Look what Lamar Jackson did. You know, look what Jacoby Brissett did to these dudes. That's what he's thinking to himself, Mike. So that's what, that's what concerns me, um, as we haven't really shown too much there on the defensive end of the ball. Hey, look, I think the Jets will be in it. I think we're going to lose a close one. But whether you win or whether you lose this week, at least, you just want to see Zach play well. I think that's where most Jet fans are at. No Jet fan came into this year that I know and was thinking, hey, we're going 10-7. and seven. We're going 11-6. and six. We're going to make the playoffs. We're going to win nine games. Everybody, most Jet fans that I know, at least, were in the same ballpark of, look, say they come out. and The win-losses matter, don't get me wrong. But if Zach plays well, that's what the season's all about. And this starts now. It starts this week in Pittsburgh, where I mentioned before, we can kind of write a new, Zach can kind of start a new narrative here for himself, for this team, for how we play in Pittsburgh, for the coach, for the GM, all of that. All those narratives that are all spinning right now. All of us are thinking about them. All of those things can be just put on a positive track this weekend. And it's not even going to take a win to do it, Mike. It won't even take a win to do it. It'll just take Zach going out playing well, playing smart, being smart with the ball like he was the end of last season. The Jets showing some fight. The Jets maybe making some adjustments at the half. Stay in the game. You know, I mean, it seemed like last week, we, we if they just did a few things different, they're right in that game. And good coaching sometimes is the difference between doing those little things and not. That's right. And I haven't seen that yet from Coach Robertson. I haven't seen us. I haven't seen those minor things, those little things. We're still bad at them. And you saw it last week, and it caught, it caught up to us last week. Not just turnovers, the bad penalties and things like that. And if especially on the road, you can't make those mistakes. So we're going to need Zach to come in. He's going to need to play like he did the end of last season. Where he was a little calmer, a little chiller with the ball. He used his feet a little bit more last year. He looked for Elijah Moore a lot. But now he's got another weapon. Let, he's got Garrett Wilson. Now let, he's got let, Tyler Conklin. Go ahead, Mike. Let me just tell all our fans watching right now and, and ABG listeners who are going to be listening to this, if the Jets take a W, and Zach put balls out, you will see the greatest production that this podcast has ever done. Ever. Put the pressure okay, on. son, I will pressure edit on. every so – I will make the most ridiculous hype video I have ever made if this kid comes out and just fucking wrecks it, man. Sorry for my language. Uh, it's it's important. People. It's an important moment. We need it. Because like Keith just said, it changes the narratives. Matthew Barry shuts the hell up. All these cats just are like, oh, yeah, this kid could play. <clears throat> well, this changes everything. I guess the Jets are a team we need to look at. We need it. And Sala needs it. JD needs it. We as fans need it. Zach, get the hell up. Let's go. Pittsburgh, year two. You got to do it, brother. It's time. You play in New York City. Number two on your chest. Let's roll. Mike is so right. You see this logo here, guys? You see behind Mike there? You see Sammy's jersey he has going on there? All you Jet fans at home right now are probably 800 jerseys and all types of shit lying around your house. You go to the games, you watch on TV, you watch the preseason, you watch the draft. You probably play with the Jets at Madden. Right, guys? We're all in, all of us. All Jet fans are. And we have been waiting for the narrative to change for a decade now. 
And there's moments in time when you get a chance to do it. People might be saying to yourselves, man, there's a little hyperbole here built into this week four matchup. No, it's not. Zach hasn't played a game yet this year. This is his first game. We're kind of we're kind of in a in a crossroads right now with the team. It's all the guy, is he not? We're banged up on the offensive line. This win would be huge for the squad. Huge for the squad this weekend, even though it's only week four. Okay, guys, and like I said, even if they don't win, but we see something from Zach and this team, we see him have the chemistry with Wilson and more and all these guys, all these all these players he has now around him, all the running backs, utilize them. If they all look good as a unit and they still come up short, it'll suck. But at least you say to yourself, okay, we might have something here with Zach. One game is not going to be the whole judgment on Zach. I get it. But man, Mike, NFL 2022, you don't get that much time to prove yourself anymore. You don't get that much time to prove yourself anymore. Josh Rosen got 13 games. He'll probably never start a game again. Gone. Gone, dude. You know, this this is a ruthless league. You know, and if, if by the end of this year, Zach isn't balling, he might not be the quarterback next year. That's a reality Jet fans need to put in their heads now when they watch these games. Because you're not going to get three seasons of not playing that great. Okay, Daniel Jones did. Doesn't happen a lot, though. I'm not taking a shot at the Giants. Just I mean, saying, Daniel Jones probably should have been replaced a long is. time ago. He's a scrub. We yeah, he's not the best quarterback. And I don't know if the Jets, with the way the team is constituted right now, and I'm all in on Zach. I want him to ball. I have faith in him. I'm saying that, guys. But say he doesn't. I don't know if with this squad, with these receivers, with this offensive line, which will probably be healthier next year, Mike. Plenty of draft picks next year again. Once we put that team together next year, do you move forward again if he doesn't I ball mean, this year or show you I'll something? Be, I'll be honest. Hard to say it. I'm, I'll be honest with you. What I've seen from Fields, he's not the guy. Mm. Uh, I'm just being real. He's athletic as hell. Yeah. He's not the guy. I mean, I'm telling you, year two, if I saw Zach do that, I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, nah, I'm good. I'm and good. you know who looked, gotta you know be better who else, than that. You know who else looked pretty bad before he got the high ankle sprain? Mac Jones just throwing interceptions all over the place. Oh, yeah. This year. Well, he's he's another Mac Jones just came back to earth. Can you see? Does this picture show up on the screen? Oh, oh, you can't even see it. No. I'm trying to show the Mac Jones and just pain picture from his high ankle sprain. Because I've never seen someone get a high ankle sprain and look like they're in childbirth. He was That's screaming. the first time I've ever seen it. Please, Jeff fans, go out, Google that picture, zoom in on his face. I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's painful. I dislocated my arm, broke bones. I've had over 200 stitches. I destroyed myself. Never looked like that once. You freaking clown. That was so embarrassing for yourself. I know you make millions of dollars at NFL quarterback, but have a little bit of balls. Have a little bit of hoot spot. Trey Lance, uh, Sammy, Trey Lance, you know. Mm. I mean, they're, Trey they're, they're, they're Lance, they're Mac Jones. saying whatever. So Mac Jones, the only quarterback that has, you know, Lawrence, upwards descent is Lawrence. And yeah, yeah. you know what? Usually there's always two. So let's hope. Yeah. And you know what? Lawrence also struggled last year, and but they built around him. They built yeah. around him even more this offseason, gave yeah. him more weapons, yeah. and he's coming to fruition now. And obviously, his and, coaching. And he was as bad as Zach. Oh, yeah. In, in some he ways, he was as he's bad worse. as Zach. Yeah. yeah. And you look, and he was as bad as Zach probably with, <coughs> excuse me, with better weapons. But I got I to gotta throw him a bone because, man, Urban Meyer is just. <laughs> Urban Meyer was a clown. Urban, I mean, I understand you had success in college, and I mean, even that, some of that's a little shady, the success that you had. Florida, I think Florida had, what, 22 guys? <laughs> Michael? The year they won the national championship? I know you had Tim Tebow, but I mean, God, those guys, that 30 for 30 needs to come soon. You're right, though. That Urban Meyer thing is, you you can't even judge Lawrence on that first year. It I'm going to let him sign. Unprecedented. Yeah, it's like when Sam, when Sam's struggling with Adam Gase as the coach, and I know we traded him before last year. Even Jets fans, are, every Jet fan I know is like, you know, Sam might not even be that bad. Look, look what he had coaching him, you know. Yeah. Then he went to the Panthers, and we saw what it was. And it was probably a combination of Gase and Sam. Why would well, don't forget Matt Rule is like the worst coach in the NFL. Yeah, Matt Rule's not great either. Let's be yeah, honest. Matt Rule is so he's, he's not the, down there. He's Adam Gase, just the uh, the Carolina version. He's <laughs> yeah. terrible. He's if you yep. watch that team, they look like. They look like absolute garbage. Do you guys ever think to yourselves, like, remember we were heading for coaches and we were we were picking between Matt Rule, Adam Gase, uh, what's his name from the Cowboys, all Mike at Carson. the same time, and they're terrible. Yeah. Uh, we weren't going to win that anywhere, any direction. Yeah, I mean, that, that ended up ended up turning out. Uh, it's like when you see one of those shows about like old child stars and they're all like in prison now. 
You know, you like you look back on it, you're like, all those choices were bad that you made, you know, or could have made, you know. I mean, McCarthy's I'm probably the highest name coach, but he's not doing great there in Dallas either. So I don't know, guys. Look, I'm happy everybody joined us this week, man. We love the AABG audience, AABG fans. We love all you guys. We love the Jets. We love the squadron. We got Zach coming back. We're hoping this week's gonna have a little bit more positivity. If he goes out there and plays well, forget it. Or get it. You don't even need to give Jet fans reasons to talk smack. But you give us one? If you give if, if Zach Wilson balls out this week, everybody's hearing it. From okay. every Jet fan in this entire world. The amount of hate and shade that has been thrown in our direction as a team and him specifically as a quarterback. Man, I'm rooting for this kid. The Wookie, we'll so hard get, this weekend. We'll have to get the Wookiees blast on sight list going. I mean, it'll yes. be wildness. Yes, the Wookiees coming back next week fresh with a fresh new segment. Okay, guys, we amended some of the verbiage to fit 2002 a little bit better. The blast on sight list, which Wookiee I know has Clyde Frazier for some reason right at the top, which we always debate because he's not a Clyde Frazier fan, but that's the greatest announcer and probably the greatest Nick of all time. Um, won a championship. Patrick Ewing didn't. Don't argue with me, Nick fans. You know Clyde Frazier's the man. Won two championships. What am I talking about? Clyde Frazier. Uh, yeah, guys, hey, that's all we got for this week, Mike. I think we're good, right? Yeah, man. All right, cool. I know it's been strong on the bottom, everybody, but Mike, if anyone does want to get at us or support us in any way, shape, or form, how could they do that? Well, we're on Facebook at AEBG.JetsRadio, on Twitter at AEBG underscore NYJ Podcast, and on Instagram at Jet.AEBG. You heard the man on behalf of the biggest Jetman in the state of Texas, Michael Agaris, on behalf of the greatest high school football coach in the nation today, Cousin Sammy O'Hare. My name's Keith Farrell. Get you next week, everybody. Peace out.